right, great. Good morning. Okay. Just want to get the elephant out of the room. Yes, I know my hair is blue. Uh, I'll explain more later, okay. I just want to say that I've been away for the past two weeks. Now, whether you guys notice it or not, yes, I am one of the ninjas in church. You either see me or you don't. Okay, so for two weeks I was away. Obviously the first week I was with uh, the pastors. We're in Bali to attend the Bill Conference. Uh, we had a great time. We, me and my family stayed a little bit longer just to spend time as a family and with friends. And I thought it was good for us. Um, we, survived the, we survived the trip. Yes. Three kids, four if you include me. It's not easy. <laughs> All right. And um, after that, when I came back from Bali, uh, me, myself, alone, the next day I actually flew to the Philippines. And why, aside from meeting my parents, I had to sign some legal documents. And it was necessary for me to go back. I couldn't fly it over to Malaysia. So I needed to go back over there for a few days. <sighs> That's my update. <laughs> I came back yesterday. Yeah, early, but... The flight was delayed, but I'm glad to be back. For those who do not know me, I am not Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim will not have this type of hair. So, yes, yeah, so, yes, I was explaining my hair. I, w I was in the Philippines. My mom, my parents, and um, her sisters actually own a salon, okay? So whenever I go back to the Philippines, my mom will like, tell me, like, hey, do something with your hair. I'm like, yeah, sure. I have a few days. Might as well just do. So this is the results of having parents who own a salon uh, uh, for free. And, man, girls, you know how much this type of things cost. I do not have the resources to do so. So I am so thankful. God, thank you for my mom and my dad for having a salon that I can do this. All right. Ah, thank God. Okay, so here we go. So we're in this series called God is Near. Um, uh, VDJs, please move the slides for me. I cannot do this uh, slide thingy. But the whole purpose or the goal of this series is aside from us knowing that God is near, um, it is to help us to respond to that by us drawing near to God. All right? Tell your neighbor, God is closer than you think. Okay? So last week, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim is not here today, as I mentioned. Um, he's actually here in Malaysia, but he's visiting Every Nation Gateway this morning to preach over there. So he said he misses you. He hates being away, but he has to do what Senior Pastor does. So he's there at Every Nation Church Gateway to, to do his thing, all right? Uh, so they, you guys are stuck with me. Okay, but last week he kicked off the series, God is Near, and he did a well, uh, he, did, he did a bit of an introduction, I watched a sermon last week. He did a bit of a sermon uh, introduction last week. But he started off with Jesus and the fishermen. Today, I'll be talking about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, Christians, we pretty much know uh, how the story goes, okay? In fact, this scripture is heavily used in worship. Because this is where the verse, um, we'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth, comes from. So a lot of times when you hear this type of sermons, you'll hear a lot of, of worship involved in this sermon. But today, I am not going to be preaching or sharing a sermon on worship. Maybe I'll touch on it just a bit. But overall, I don't think I'm going to be touching on it because I don't really want to focus on that part uh, of the sermon today. Okay. Um, but God is near. I remember when me, uh, when I was dating my ex-girlfriend, my wife. So back then, yes, ex-girlfriend. So obviously when you're in a relationship, you want to be close with your partner. 
So I remember when we were at church, I wanted to be close with her. Okay, and like let's say this is me and that's my wife right there, that Christmas tree. I'll be as close to her proximity. So the moment she asks something or she like in the air says, oh, I think I need this. Oh, I think I need that. I will miraculously appear out of nowhere to earn some extra brownie points. So I can seal the deal when I propose. You know, I say the word miraculously because nowadays I don't do anything for her. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just kidding. I serve her. Okay, but God is closer than you think. All right. I may not be there for my wife, but God is. All right. So with that in mind, I do want to share a verse. Uh, a verse. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to be picking on from verse 10, which will be my main verse. Again, I'll just read it over here. It says that Jesus answered, if you knew. Say the words, if you knew. Say it again, if you knew. Tell your neighbor, if you knew. All right, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. All right, let me just pray. Papa, we thank you for the day. I pray you always guide my lips. I pray you open the hearts and the minds of the people to receive, to receive every good thing that you have in store for them. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody say, amen. All right, so if you knew, now if, I don't know about you, but if you knew, for me personally, it's probably one of the most haunting three words you can come across with. And the reason why I say that is, if you knew, it's just another way, another way of saying, what if? You know, if you knew that Black Friday sales was just around the corner, you would have not purchased something in advance. So you can get that discount. If you knew that there was going to be an 80% nation, a nationwide, store-wide at Hero, you would have not gone to Lotus's to do your shopping. If you knew that this particular party was going to win, you would have voted. I'm rubbing salt because I know some people didn't vote. <laughs> okay, but my wife, whenever me and my wife argues, my wife will tell God, God, if I only knew that this man is like this, I would have not married him. <laughs> but God is good. To me. <laughs> I mean, if you knew. You know, um, I always ask this question. The safest place on earth, okay, is not at home. It's not at your parents' house. The safest place on earth is actually to be found in the presence of God. So in other words, it doesn't matter where you are. You could even be in the most dangerous places. But because you're found in the presence of God, that is the safest place on earth. I also ask some people this question. What do you think is the longest distance in the world? All right. The longest distance, in my opinion, isn't from Malaysia all the way to the U.S. Or Malaysia all the way to U.K. But it's the distance between your heart. I was going to point here. Heart and mind. And we need to find a way to bridge that. And why? Because a lot of us, a lot of times, we know, but we don't believe. Okay, a lot of us know God, but we don't ask for healing. A lot of us know God, but we don't ask for blessings. A lot of us know God, 
but we're stuck there. We don't, and because of our pride, we don't ask. Worse is, a lot of us know God, but we don't believe. That's the worst. So we need to find a way to bridge that. Let's not just know God up here, but let's believe Him in here. You guys following me so far? Only one person. <laughs> All right. So a couple of verses before this, we find out why Jesus and the disciples were pretty much in Samaria. Okay, so Jesus and the disciples actually wanted to go from Judea. I think I have a slide over there. Judea all the way to Galilee. Now, traditionally, when the Jews will travel, they will go around Samaria. And one, because they do not want to find themselves or communicate or associate with the Samarians. Only because to them, the Samarians, the society, are half-breeds. They don't consider them as full-breeds like the Jews. Okay. A lot of that, so technically, the Samarians are an outcast. They're not recognized by the Jews. So instead of going through Samaria, they will take the trouble to actually go across the Jordan River and back so that they can go from Judea all the way to Galilee. Okay, but Jesus and the disciples were like, smart. They were like, nah, let's just go through Samaria. We'll save a couple of days. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Jesus anyway. Let me just go through Samaria. So he goes to Samaria, okay. Yeah, so the disciples, so they, they end up in Samaria at the noon of the day, the hottest part of the day. They were tired, and Jesus tells the disciples, go get some food. So the disciples go and get some food, and Jesus is sitting by the well. And all of a sudden, the woman came at the hottest part of the day, all right, to the well to draw out water. And Jesus saw her, and Jesus, what do you think Jesus said? He said, salamat datang. <laughs> Did he say hi? No, he said, give me water. All right, and the Samaritan woman was like, whoa, I mean, is he talking to me? I mean, does he know that I'm a woman? Did I shave? Yes, I did. But I'm a woman. He's a man. Who is he? I was like, I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. I mean, this man has long hair. Samaritans have short hair. You didn't get that joke. Anyways. <laughs> He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why is he talking to me? And now, here's the thing. There's a reason to why the Samaritan woman even went on at that time. Okay, because normally when women will draw out water, they'll always come in the morning at the cool of the day and they'll come in a group. But somehow this lady ends up pick, uh, drawing water in the middle of the day, at the hottest part of the day, just to draw water. So it could be because there must be something that she's done, maybe her past. Uh, she, so it, she could be an outcast, an outcast in an outcast society. I mean, that's what's the worst you can get. So, so. So, so, he's, so, so Jesus asks, give me water. So she's, she's taken aback. She's shocked. Okay, so there are three things or three questions that I want to draw from this sermon today. And the first one is, who's thirsty? Three questions. Who's thirsty? What's in the drink? And where's the source from? Who's thirsty? What's in the drink? And where the source is from? Let me ask you guys a question. Who was thirsty in this story? Jesus, yes. It was obvious. He was the one who said, give me water. All right. He's thirsty. One of the things I like about the Gospels is that they never fail to show us that, yes, Jesus was 100% God. But he was also a man. In other words, he was also feeling human experiences. In this case, he was thirsty. 
The second person who was thirsty is the Samaritan woman. Obviously, because she came at the noon of the day, she got to come in the morning, but she chose to come at the noon of the day expecting no one's going to be there. She definitely was thirsty. Okay, but little did she know that her life will never be the same. Because she came in that day at the well, thirsty, only to come back, refilled, refreshed, satisfied. Okay, so she's thirsty. And like the Samaritan woman, every one of us in this room are thirsty as well. You may not believe it or not, but our thirst goes beyond the obvious. Let me give you guys an example. All right, so this is water, all right? And let's just say this is you. So I'm trying to follow uh, Terrence. Terrence did a balloon experiment the last time. Today I do water experiment. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try and do this. Can, uh, yes, stage crew. Come, 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 come. Be my mic stand for a while. Yes, everybody give a hand to Kenneth. <laughs> wave, wave, wave. Yes. <laughs> All right, so a lot of times, uh, this, this, is, this is us. So a lot of us are thirsty in life. And what we do is that we tend to quench ourselves with what the world offers. So when we are struggling in life, we tend to look at the world where we think that when we supply ourselves with, we quench our thirst with wealth, status, um, relationship, uh, what else? Um, holiday, maybe a vacation. Somehow, despite of us filling ourselves with the things of the world, we still find ourselves empty. Did I just stop Terrence's uh, example on the balloon? <laughs> okay, but it, so we find ourselves thirsty. And it doesn't matter if you change the drink. You can take whatever you want. You can even have Coke. That's why I have Coke this morning on stage. All right. And you can have Coke and try to fill yourself up and still find yourself empty. I'm thirsty myself. Thank you very much, Kenneth. <laughs> All right. So what's the point of here? You can take whatever it is that the world may offer over your situation that you are thirsty in. But the world will never satisfy your thirst. Only Jesus can. So change that water, change that Coke supply. Um, only Jesus can satisfy your need. Yes, we're thirsty, but make sure you get the right drink. Okay, so that's the first one. Who's thirsty? Number two, what's in the drink? In verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living Waters, there you go again. If you knew who God is, then you would have asked. You know, Jesus is a master of words, okay. The moment he said that verse, all of a sudden, it started a curiosity in the woman. You know, whenever I have conversations with people, if the conversation is boring, and I'll be like, yeah, blah, 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 I'm not interested. But the moment the person talks about burgers, all right, you got my attention. The moment he talks about games and he talks about God of War, I'm like, yep, that's right, let's talk. The moment he talks about music and he talks about BTS, we are best friends forever. Because I like BTS. That's the reason why I color my hair. <laughs> no, it's not the reason. <laughs> okay. 
But, the, but here's the thing. So Jesus is a master of words. He caught the attention of the woman. I mean, he said that there is a gift. I mean, who doesn't like gift? Nowadays, when my mom and dad said, hey, I got a gift for you, all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, my mom and dad has a gift. Because over the years, ever since I have kids, when people say I have a gift, it's not for me. It's for my kids. <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden, he says that if you would have asked me, I would have given. And all of a sudden, the girl, the woman was like, wait a minute. Is he even greater than Jacob, Abraham, and all that? Who is he? And then he talks about living water. Oh, of course. I want that living water. Because I am thirsty. If I can get this living water, I do not have to come here every single day. Who, what is in the drink? All right. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to the eternal life. Welling up. It's not going to be a well that's stagnant. It's going to be water that will spring out from the surface to eternal life. In John chapter 7, it's not in the, it's not in the slides. In John chapter 7, verse 37, it says that. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke of the spirit. What's in the drink? The spirit. Whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you are filled with his presence, when you are filled with his spirit, you will never thirst again. Now, I'm not saying that we cannot have certain things that we can desire. I mean, for me, I like, I want to have a PS5. My wife, if you're listening... Christmas is around the corner, <laughs> you know. But if that thing consumes you and you find yourself addicted to it, bringing no meaning and value, then you got to stop. If you want to be addicted, be addicted to Jesus, all right. Now, some of you guys probably would say, Neil, I drank what Jesus has offered, but somehow... I still feel thirsty. I still feel empty. Let me tell you guys this, all right. It is not a one-time zip of Jesus that will sustain you until you go to heaven. It's a continual drinking of His presence that will sustain you in the long run. All right. My kids <laughs> hates it. <laughs> me and my wife will tell them, Drink your water. Drink your water. It isn't that they hate the water. It's more like they just drank water five minutes ago. <laughs> and yet they're like, Mom, I just drank water five minutes ago and you're still asking me to drink water. Like, but the thing is, they are never thirsty. They are always filled. And in the same way, when we find ourselves consuming this living water on a daily basis, we will never run dry. We will never find ourselves thirsty because of the source. So I just answered, who's thirsty? What's in the drink? Which is the Holy Spirit. 
Where's the source from? Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. And yet you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one must worship. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that you do not know, what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jew. But a time is coming and even now has arrived when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, not all knowledge only. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. To remain satisfied, we need to be connected to the source. Who's the source? Jesus. How do we connect? Through worship. He mentions on verse 23, but the time is coming. And it, it already came. Because Jesus fulfilled his purpose on earth by dying on the cross for you and me, resurrected from death. So that we do not have to go to the mountain. We do not have to go to the temple. We can be wherever we are. And as long as our heart is right, because that's what matters, we can worship. You want to remain filled, you need to cross that line of forever knowing into always worshiping. We need to worship God. You know, we're going to come to the table of the Lord if the musician, keyboardist is here. If you guys got your communion elements ready, we're going to get into the table of, of the Lord. <clears throat> You know, in my life, uh, I try to look for a story, but I don't really have a specific story. But I can tell you guys this. All my life, worship is such a big thing. And it's pretty obvious. Every time I'm here on stage, you probably hear me sing. You probably hear me talk about worship and all that stuff. But worship is such a big thing. Just like Teresa, for her, Teresa, prayer is such a big thing. She's so frustrated when people don't come and pray. Especially on worship and prayer night. When you guys don't show up, <laughs> it burdens her. And in the same way, when we don't worship, after all that God has done, I don't know, maybe we missed the point. It's okay to know so much of God, but if we don't do anything about what we know, we're forever knowing, but we're not believing. When I got saved, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went up to the Father, I was like, God, I don't know what to do, I'm just going to worship. I worshiped, a couple of days later, God reveals to me, no, you like music, pursue music. And the next thing you know, I ended up getting into full-time ministry. When my sister was believing for healing and nothing happened, I didn't, <laughs> maybe I questioned God. But at the end of the day, I found myself worshiping God. Because regardless whether my sister had healing or not. God is still good and He is faithful. A few years later, I went to school and next thing you know, in worship, 
I started witnessing people getting healed. Breast cancer is gone. Uh, legs going out and stuff like that. And so on and so forth. Migraines being lost and everything like that. Through worship. Now, did, now and another thing was that when I find myself like growing up, because I've always done ministry. When I find myself comparing myself with other people, because I have friends who are quite successful. They own a couple of sports cars and stuff like that. Some of them became pastors much younger and stuff. I only became a pastor, what, recently and stuff. I used to compare myself. And I was just like, God, like, can I have all these things? It's a question. But regardless of what the situation is, I worship. I find myself going back to the secret place and telling God, here's my issue. Here's my trouble. I'm just going to lay it down to your feet. I'm going to worship. We find ourselves struggling most of the time trying to seek counsel. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't even make time to go to the Father and consult with Him. And why? Because everything is just in here. We don't believe so much about what he can do when we can go into that secret place. Worship. You may not get the answer that you want on that spot. But in faith, as you worship, God reveals himself and reminds you, I am faithful even when you're not. Your prayers are not too short to hear. My ears are not too short to hear. No, my hands are too short to save. I am faithful. Even when you're not. Just worship me. Let's all stand up and get into the table of the Lord. And Papa, we come before you in the table of the Lord, acknowledging, O oh Lord, that we need you. Acknowledging, O oh Lord, in fact, repenting, O oh God, that God, if we find ourselves in situations where God, we know you exist, but God never really tapping into who you really are. God, forgive us. That God, we remain at that place. And help us to draw near to you. Help us to worship you. Let God bring us to the secret place. Let God forgive us as well. Let God, if we find ourselves not going back to the secret place. Always trying to sort out and looking for answers when we know that the answer is in you. Because you, Jesus, is the answer. Share the